All right, uh, ready to get in the Word? Are we ready? If the uh, bulletin looks familiar to last week, that's because it's exactly the same. Except for the songs, yeah. So look, uh, if you look, open your bulletin, I, I got one more time to just kind of very quickly review 6, 1 through 14 there on the left-hand side of the bulletin. You see those notes there? No, but this is such an important truth. I just want to review this briefly again. I never get tired of reviewing this, but the reality is that we saw that uh, the, the question was uh, when sin increased, uh, grace increased all the more, what should we do? Should we, should we continue to sin? The answer was by no means. See, we talked about this in detail last two weeks, but I'm just going to hit it quickly. We died to sin. We died to sin. When you were a born-again believer, you died to sin. Now what that means to all of us, it means that the sin no longer has power over our life. You no longer have to submit to sin. And all the penalty of sin was paid for. Our relationship to sin was changed forever the moment you were saved. Now let me tell you, brothers and sisters, do you still sin? Yes, we do, but there's no reason for you to sin. You have the power to resist the devil, and you don't have to sin anymore. Yeah, amen. the, the other point from, from this note thing here is I just want to go these quickly. You see, count courage and confidence. I pray you got this down deep in your hearts. It's something we have to review, I think, daily in our lives, which is that we have to count, we have to remind ourselves that we're dead to sin and alive to Christ. We have to have courage. The second C there is that we need to offer our bodies as living sacrifice to Jesus Christ. Every part of our body has to be submitted as, as a living sacrifice. Our eyes, our ears, our hands, our feet. You have to become that living sacrifice. Why I call it courage, because is that kind of life easy in this fallen world? No, it's not easy. It's not easy to be a bright light in a dark world. It's not easy to confront someone that's sinning around you. It's not easy to live like Jesus would want us to live. Those aren't easy things to do. To control our tongues, to control our minds, to refuse to watch certain movies that are out because you know they dishonor God. Not to listen to music that may tempt you or lead you the wrong way. All those things take courage to turn away from the world. Because the world comes at us bright, brilliant, full of glitter, and it seems attractive. And it takes courage to refuse that. And the last C there, you've got count. You have to keep preaching yourself that you're dead to sin and alive to Christ. It takes courage to live a sacrificial life. And confidence is just to remind yourselves that we're not under the law, but we're under grace. We're not under law, but we're under grace. And the confusing part of that is many believe that um, that means we could sin all the more, as we already talked about, but the reality to be under grace gives us the power to live the righteous life that God called us to. Amen? Amen. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So I started 15 through 23 last week, but I didn't finish it. So we're going to finish it today. So we're going we're to go over that and finish that. If you all turn to your Bibles, Romans 6. Chapter 15, and Lord willing, we'll make it through 23 today. And if you would please stand, we're going to read the, as we read God's Word, in honor of God's Word, please stand. Brother Jay will do that. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, 
or of obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you, were, as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate that very much, brother. Do you all get fired up about the word of God? I get fired up about the word of God. Every week I get fired up. And this message today is no different. I mean, I can't wait to get to the word today because there's, there's a truth in here that we saw the first half with 1 through 14 is that we saw this freedom that comes to the reality that we're dead to sin and alive to Christ. And now I want to show you that the other part of this equation, just as important, is that we become slaves to righteousness. And uh, it's exciting. So let's work our way through. I'm going to remind you what we went over, and then we'll get into uh, some really, really exciting truth. I mean, this is... Uh, it's exciting. Praise God. So look at this first verse here. It says, uh, we talked about this last week. It said, what then... Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And the answer is, by no means. Thank you. Thank you. By no means. Absolutely not. You know, it's interesting. We saw the first one, uh, the first question that was predicted by the Holy Spirit. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Well, if when sin increases, grace increases, should we go on sinning all the more so God may be glorified? And now we see that, well, since we're not under the law, but we're on the grace, should we go sin all the more? And the answer, again, is absolutely not. Now, I told you this last week, but living under the law does not bring salvation. It does not bring freedom from sin. In fact, living under the law brings more sin, discouragement, and despair. If you put yourself under the law, that's the kind of life you'll live. But if we live under grace, it, see, this is, I mean, this is so contrary to what the world would teach you, because you live under grace... It doesn't give you the permission to sin. It empowers you to live the righteous life. Doesn't that seem opposite of what, what you would think in human reasoning? Oh, wait, I'm under grace. I'm not under law, so I don't have this bunch of list of do's and don'ts I have to follow anymore. But then you're saying because I'm under grace, I'm now free to live a righteous, obedient life to God? Does that make sense to you in your flesh? No, it doesn't. But we're going to see why it makes sense as we go through the text today. So look at this next verse, uh, 16. It says, so he goes right into this illustration. I love this. It says, Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as an obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you, to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So he goes right into this very clear illustration 
of these two different worlds. I want you to see this now. Hang with me here. There's two different worlds with two different masters that we're all living in. We're living in one or the other. Are you with me on this? Yeah, so these are the two worlds, and, and there's no in-between. You're either serving the master of Satan, the devil, or you're serving Jesus Christ, and there's no in-between. Don't think there's a middle ground. There is none. It's one or the other. Now, let me tell you this also. We all were born serving Satan. You know, it, 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 that starting line of the great marathon, that, that's where we all began. When the gun was shot, we were born serving Satan. There's no... You, you didn't avoid that. None of us did. I don't care how early you got saved. I pray you got saved early in life. I got saved later in life. But the reality is we all were born serving that Master. Do you believe that? And, and let me just give you a little picture of what that looks like. We talked about this last week too, but it's, it's worth reviewing again. Uh, Matthew 6.24 says, Clearly, no one can serve two Masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, and, and the, the test here for all of us, the, he uses the illustration of money, but you know, even if you're a born-again believer, you can be deceived into deserving the other master. I want you to hear that. You're still born again, but what the devil does is, and, and you, it doesn't change your salvation, it doesn't de, uh, deter the end game for you that you're going to heaven, but the reality is he's going to try to get you deceived where you're serving the enemy, even in your Christian faith. Do you believe that? Yeah, that, that, that's when we enter into sin. And, and it can look very different to everybody, but it's, oh, I'm not doing these really bad things. But he can deceive you into doing all kinds of things that take you out of becoming an effective, productive follower of Jesus Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's a slow process. And so I'm telling you that one of the things we have to do as followers is we have to constantly do an inventory, as Jim teaches well on Wednesday night, examine ourselves, you see, because I want to see if there's any ground I've been giving to the devil. Now, it could be things where they wouldn't be considered sin, but they're still destroying my productivity. They're taking up too much of my time and energy and resources. Maybe I'm watching too much TV or... I'm, I'm exercising too much. That isn't my problem. Probably should be. But the, the, the reality is you have to look at all these things that you're spending all this time and energy doing and how it's distracting you from the kingdom. So the, the issue is, is there something in your life that you really cherish, a thing or, or a person that really occupies your dreams, your thoughts, your energies, and your desires, and you have to make sure that your love and devotion to the Lord is pure. And I'm telling you, in all of our lives, in my life, I'll, I confess, I always find areas of fat that I can cut out that is really just maybe selfish, self-absorption, and, and I defend it by saying, well, I need a break now. And is there anything wrong with rest? No, there isn't anything wrong with rest, but we have to continually evaluate that spreadsheet. Does that make sense? So, so it says here that we can only serve one master or the other. He's specifically talking about saved and unsaved, but I just gave you an application for those that are believers here today that we too need to take inventory. Now look at this. I'm just going to give you a picture of the one world and I'm going to give you a picture of the other world. Now this, Jesus said this. Uh, we talked about this last week too, but it says, I will not say much more to you for the prince of the world is coming. Look at 1 John 5.19. We know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You see that? Stay with me here. John 8.44, it says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. 
who was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. One more. Opponents, and I love that again, but it's the unsaved must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do what? To do his will. To do his will. Do you... Can you picture this world? This is a world that exists all around us. The devil is the prince of the world. What does it say? That the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Do you see that in the world around us? Yes? Amen? And, and, and he, is, he is the murderer and the father of lies. And I love this last part. It says, so they're, they're trapped. Do you see that? The unsaved are trapped by the devil and they're taken captive to do his will. Isn't that amazing? That's the one world that exists around us. That, by the way, brothers and sisters, I already said, that's the world we all came from. Some of you are probably still trapped in that world. I don't know. But that is the world we came from. Now, let me prove this to you. I did this last week, but it's important. Have you ever found yourself continuing a sinful pattern even when you know the hardship or the consequences that are going to result from it. Absolutely. See? So, and I, there, I was there too. I mean, I paid the consequences, and I, even at the time when I was suffering the pain, it said I would never do that again, right? When the pain is most severe, we say we're never going to do it again. But the problem is, the next day or the next week, whatever it is, you go back to that sin. Do you know what that is? Slavery. That's slavery. Because we're doing things we don't want to do because we know the consequences, but we do them anyway. That's a proof that we were slaves. Do you believe me? Yeah. See, I want you to see that slavery that's out there. That's what it means by doing the will of the evil one. We did the will of the evil one, even when we didn't want to. So that's one world. Now, we come back, so he paints these two worlds. It says that, and of course, we know that, that if we continue in our sin and we don't get saved, it leads to death. Physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death for those that aren't saved. But for those who are obedient, it says it leads to righteousness. Now here, here's a truth for you. So we saw that, that the devil is the prince of this world, but, but Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Son, I mean God the Spirit, are all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. And you can see, look at that. All-powerful, all-knowing, and present compared to the prince of the world. What do you think, what do you think trumps? Who wins that? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. So let me tell you this. The devil is God's devil. Don't ever think he has powers to, to do anything without God's permission. So it is God's devil. And, and that is the other choice as far as masters is concerned. It's this one that is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. It says that he's the, uh, the devil is the murderer and father of lies. What does Jesus come to bring us as the new master? He comes to bring us life. He comes to bring us an abundant life. And guess what? He brings us truth. Not lies, but truth. Do you see the comparison between the two? And, and then this other one says that, that he's uh, holding many captives to do his will. What did Jesus say he came to do? He came to set the captives free. Do, do you see the two worlds? And, and I'm telling you, the devil and the deception with the world that's around us, 
the demons, and our unredeemed flesh, he can convince us that that one world of serving the master, Satan, is better than serving the one true master. Even though we can sit here and talk about these truths and we all say, amen, I was trapped in that, I agree with that, yet at the same time, we're deceived. We're deceived. We still think there's something in that other world. Even though, have you ever found it? It's not there, it's empty. And every time we go to it, we come back more hungry. Has it ever solved any of your problems? Has it ever brought you joy and love and peace? No, that world doesn't. Those are the two masters. I love this part. Look at this here. Uh, look at, see, Paul can't help himself. He says, but thanks be to God. See, here it is, brothers. We should all be saying, but thanks be to God. See, as Paul's comparing these two worlds, these two masters, guess what? He clearly remembers that he was serving that other master. He was killing Christians on the road to Damascus when he got saved. He knows what it was like to serve, and he thought he was serving God. Talk about deception, right? He thought he was serving God as he was killing Christians. So here he is, he gives these two analogies, and he has to stop right in the middle of his teaching and say, but thanks be to God. Is that what you say? You were delivered out of that world into this new world. We went from slaves of sin to slaves of righteousness. We were freed by, by Jesus Christ as he set the captives free. How could we not stop at that point and say, but thanks be to God? Because he says here that you, includes himself, were slaves of sin but became obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which, we, which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Now I talked about this too last week. where we ended actually last week but we're going to just review it again. It's such an important truth. I'll go through them quickly. If you weren't here last week just I'm going to go through these quickly. Uh, John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will love by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. What a different world and different master this is. Uh, Jesus, uh, John 14, 23 and 24, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. One more, 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Is that clear? I think that's pretty clear. See, the, the, the reality is, see, here, here's, a key, here's a key truth about the freedom that grace brings. See, he, he doesn't tell us, here's a list of do's and don'ts. Here's a list of do's and don'ts that you have to follow. He says, I want you to come with an obedient heart. I want you to come out of your love for me. And as you get to know me, believe me, what you're going to want to do as you get to know Jesus Christ is you're going to want to live the obedient life. It's going to be the desire of your heart. It's not going to be... You know, when we talk about, some people talk about Christianity, oh, that's a bunch of rules and regulations. They're a bunch of legalists. You know, there's no love in the faith. That, that is not what Christianity is at all. Christianity is falling head over heels with Jesus Christ after you've been saved, and you surrender your life to him willingly, 
obeying Him because here's the deal. As you obey Him, God gets the glory and it's for your good. And, and the more you begin to discover that, the more you obey Him, the more you obey what He says, you see God is glorified and you receive the goodness of God in your life. And you know what happens? Well, I'll get to this later. I want to get to it now, but I'll hold it back. We'll get to what that does for us as we do it. But I want you to see these two different worlds between the old master and the new master and what it is to live this, this type of life. Are we doing okay? All right. So he says here, look at this. So we're... we're we're building truths here. It's that I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. He's just saying, I'm using this illustration of slavery so you understand what I'm talking about. He says, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, let's stop there for a second. Does that not define our life before Christ? Do you see this? So you presented, do you see our part in this? We presented ourselves members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, what does it do? Leading to more lawlessness. Is that registering with anybody? Here it is. Sin is progressive. Have you noticed sin is progressive? Did you notice that you would do something? Let's just take drinking, for example. Maybe you had some drinks and you got a little buzz from the drinking. Did it end there? No, it doesn't end there. Because sin is progressive. You're going to keep drinking more and more, and you might add other drugs into it. You may add, there's no kids here. No, you could add sex into it. You, the, the, the sin is progressive, right? It continues to lead you down, as Jim teaches, the downward spiral. Have you found that to be true? And what results from that, we'll talk about that next. But I'm just saying, I want you to picture that. That's what he's talking about, is that downward spiral that it never satisfied and continues to lead you down until what? Until you're dead. It wants to kill you. Physically, it wants to kill you. But look at the good news here. Look at the opposite here. It says, so now, you see that? So now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. Do you see that? This is such good news. Let me use some word, the world's words for this. I hear people saying they were addicted. Let's use alcohol again. I was addicted to alcohol, right? What they're really saying is they were slaves to alcohol. That's what they're saying. But here's the good news. What this is talking about is us getting addicted to righteousness. Do you picture that? Now, here's, here it is. Some of you are, are you're not going to receive this because I don't know why, but you're not. But I'm just telling you that when you start engaging and following Jesus Christ and living this obedient life, righteousness becomes addictive. Because, and, and let's use the biblical word, we become slaves to righteousness. And, and I'm telling you that as you continue to do it and you, you, you read it in the Word and you choose to obey it, even though your flesh is saying no and you obey God and you, you break away from sinful patterns and you replace it with righteousness and you start living more and more for Jesus, I'm telling you, you, you get on this, here it is, you get on this upward spiral that's unbelievable. 
You, you can't wait to serve God. You can't wait to get in the Word. You can't wait to change some of the things that are living in you that you want to kill. It's, it's an upward spiral for living for God. Anybody on that ride? Isn't it amazing? See, one's leading to hell, one's leading to heaven. We're getting ready to go to heaven as we continue to read, study the Word, obey God, live differently than the world, which is hard. I'm not saying this is easy, but we're climbing up to get ready to go to heaven. He's preparing us for our work in heaven. And it's, I'm telling you, we'll get to the next point, but it's an unbelievable life when you start living like that. Want me to get that? Okay. All right, bye. <laughs> I don't know why I love you so much, Darnell, but I do. Okay, look at verse 20. Uh, For when, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. I want you to see this too. Do you see that? Now listen up. We're almost done here. I'm giving you a short one today. But So when we were slaves to sin, we, what would it say? We were free to righteousness. Do you see that? Do you know what that means? Come on, think of, think of when you were in your sinful life, and some of you are still there, I know, but think about the reality that the, we were free to righteousness. I mean, I, Darnell and I were just talking about this this morning. You know, I knew good and bad before Christ. You know, and of course, that's a, that's a continuum, right? Darnell was telling me what he thought was bad. Well, my, my bad was a little different than his bad, but I still had this good and bad in my life, right? There's certain things... Everybody has a line they won't cross. I don't care if you were, you were in gangs and everything else. There was a line you wouldn't cross. You had, you had a, a, a rule, a set of rules you lived by, which was good and bad. But we didn't have righteousness in us. We didn't know what righteousness was. We, we, we didn't have the Holy Spirit. We, we didn't know what it was to live for Jesus, to, to be righteous. That's what he's saying here. You can't, you can't even begin to imagine what righteousness is until you're born again, until Jesus Christ comes to live within you, and then your whole world is awakened to what righteousness is. And it's very different than the world's definition. So he says, you're free to righteousness. And then he goes on here and says, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. I am? Where am I? Is that good? Okay, thank you. Thank you, Ann. Appreciate that. Do you have your Bibles open? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ann does. Thank you, Ann. Sometimes I wonder if PowerPoints are just creating lazy Christians in here. I should get rid of these for a few weeks and just see if everybody gets their Bibles open and their journals open. Um, but anyway, okay, thanks, Ann. I appreciate that. Um, now where was I, Ann? Okay. But the fruit you were getting, okay, the fruit you are getting at the time of the things for which you are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. Now here's the unbelievable thing to me about, Christ, about living for slaves of sin. What was the fruit? Death. Yeah, but what, I mean, come on. Just go back over your life of following the old master and all the ways he deceived you. What do you have to show for yourselves? I mean, is there anything of a redeeming value that came out of the life of engaging in total whatever you did or whatever you're doing? I mean, was there anything 
left when you got done with that lifestyle that you could say, wow, well, this is one thing I got out of that lifestyle. A bag of rotten apples, Darnell said. You know, what, what came from, from most of us would be emotional destruction. We ruin relationships with people, family, friends, loved ones. Maybe some are divorced in here. Their kids are estranged. Co-workers, neighbors, right? That's, a, that's your emotional, that's your, boy, that's something to bring to heaven, right? This is what I did emotionally. I destroyed every relationship in my life because the devil totally controlled my life and I listened to him whenever he commanded me to do something. How about physically? Wasn't, weren't you, wasn't your body just getting destroyed physically? And worse of all, of course, is spiritually we're serving Satan. So, I mean, what he's saying, are you now ashamed of that? Now, I, you know, I hear some brothers sometimes uh, that I'm hanging with, and, and they start talking about the old glory days, about their old days when they were sinning and talking about this and that. You know, i got to say, I question their salvation. The, 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 the old days, oh, we did this, oh, yeah. And, and come on. That, that's, I had to question their salvation because the reality is we should be covered in shame if you're a born-again believer. Jesus lives in you. He doesn't want you bringing up your sinful patterns of the past like those were good old days. You should be covered in shame as you reflect back on the way you destroyed people, you destroyed relationships, you deceived people, you stole things, all the other things that went into your sinful patterns should bring us to a point of great shame. But look at the next part of this verse. What's the fruit now? As followers of Jesus Christ, what kind of fruit does that produce? Eternal, yes, thank you. Eternal fruit for sure. I'm just going to use the fruit of the Spirit for an example. How about love? The first fruit of the Spirit is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those are fruit of the Spirit, right? So here, here's one for you. I never get tired of talking about this, is, is the fruit of love. Before in the world, we thought what love was, right? We thought we knew what love was. But really, again, looking at the fruit of that definition, the world's definition of love, it never produced anything of, of eternal value. It was very conditional. It was, I would call a lot of it as lust in the world, not love. But all of a sudden we get saved and we come to this realization of agape love, right? Sacrificial love. Something we could never have imagined apart from salvation. That Jesus loved us so much that he would actually die on the cross so that we might be saved. And then he says to husbands, you know, love your wife as Christ loved this church. We, we get this whole picture of sacrificial love that he gives us. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't know about you. I didn't live that way. Did you live that way before Christ? No, mine was conditional, manipulative, deceptive. That's the kind of love I had. It was all about me and me getting what I wanted out of the situation. But now you say, well, no, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for Jesus. And now I come into relationships with sacrificial love. You know, I, I wouldn't have stepped foot in a neighborhood like this before. And now, through my love of Christ, I can't get here enough. I can't, I can't meet with you. I can't love you all enough. It's just, and it's not me. I love what uh, Mr. Thrasher said on Wednesday night. I don't think it's me. Because if you knew the old Keith, you would say, well, that's who Keith was. 
what you're seeing is Christ living through me. This is the love of Christ coming out. I get no credit for this. This is him in me living through me. I didn't know what it was before. So love, how about joy? I, you know, my life was a roller coaster. That's the fruit I had. If I had a good day, I was happy. If I had a bad day, I was, this isn't a bad word, ticked off. I think that's okay to say that. I was angry. I was no fun to be around if I had a bad day. But if I had a good day, then I'd be more pleasant to be around. Now I can be joyful in all circumstances. Honestly, truthfully, a down, deep joy, regardless of what's going on in my life, because I know without, a fat, without any doubt in my life that God is in control of everything, and even the trials and the hardships that come in my life are again for His glory and my good. So I can be joy. I didn't have this before. That's the fruit of this new life. One more. I could go through all nine, but peace, right? The Bible says we have a peace that transcends understanding. I didn't have that peace before. Now I have a peace even as, even as I look forward to my own death physically. That doesn't scare me. I have peace about that because I know it's just a promotion. I get to go to a new place to be with my Lord and no more of the junk that we've got to put up with in the world. But I'm talking about that kind of peace. Do you see, brothers and sisters, the two worlds? There's two masters and two worlds that we can live in, one or the other. And we have to be examining ourselves, even as believers, to see how much time we're spending in one world versus the other. And then, you know, what I, what everybody, everybody knows this verse, or most people do when you get to this verse, but really the reality of this verse is he's just summarizing the whole chapter 6, and really part of 5. Everybody quotes this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can say that as we give people the Roman road, you know, 323, 623, all that. But the reality is you have to go, you have to give them the whole six. You know, you have to explain that whole thing to them if they want them to see the gospel. Dead to sin, alive to Christ. Under grace, not law, and on and on. Can you hang with me for one, just another burden here. Can you stay with me for a couple more minutes? All right. I just because it's so heavy in my heart here, I just want to go over this a little bit. I want to talk about true saving faith versus a false saving faith. Just to kind of do a quick check to see who's in Christ here or not. You okay with that? Don't, shouldn't we want to know the answer to this? Okay. Here, here's, I'm going to list the ones where people think they're saved and doesn't necessarily mean they're saved. One of the big ones in our world today is morality. I'm good enough to get to heaven. I do good things. I'm not as bad as others. They have this sense of morality uh, where they think that by that alone they're going to heaven. I meet, I meet many even at Wayside who have a, they believe it's through the knowledge of the Word of God. And I've got, uh, I'm not going to call them brothers, I'm going to call men that quote Scripture left and right to me uh, and they think that because they have the knowledge of the Word that they're saved. Knowledge of the Word does not equate to salvation. Either does morality. How about this one? Religious activity. I go to church every Sunday. I go to Bible study. I do confession. I take communion. Right? Does that mean someone's saved? No. How about conviction of sin? I must be saved. I'm convicted of sin. There's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. 
It really depends on what that conviction of sin looks like. And when you listen to people, listen carefully, because many times they're talking about the heartaches that their sin has caused, not a godly sorrow where they're heartbroken over the fact that they have disobeyed God and disappointed God. So conviction of sin alone, depending if it's true repentance or not, does not indicate anyone is saved. You with me? Okay. A couple more. Decision for Christ. This is a big one. Oops. Ann, you're supposed to keep me up to speed here. Now I'm counting on you, Ann. See, now I don't have to worry about it. I said, Ann's got my back. So, so uh, decision for Christ. I mean, come on. I've talked to people said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I went forward. You know, there's a, they called people forward. They came forward. And I prayed the prayer. Right? Do you ever hear that? People think they're saved because they did that. Or maybe because they said that and they were baptized. Does that mean you're saved? And just believing you're saved doesn't mean you're saved either. Now let's get to the other list. Here's proof of saving faith. Isn't that the greatest commandment? Do you have a love for God? Do you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is God your life? Or is He your 911? Is He all your life? Is that, I mean, are you living for God? Do you know what I'm saying? How about this one? Love for God's Word. You love God's Word. See, there's a difference between knowledge of God's Word and love for God's Word. I, I, don't, I don't find that I have to come to the Word of God. I get to come to the Word of God. I get to meet with God. Do you see that? It's a love for the Word. And, and you know, that's why when I hear guys quoting Scripture a lot, you know, my, my, my uh, question for them really is, you know, when it says no, I always use this analogy, but when it says Adam knew Eve, it meant that Adam was intimate with Eve. An intimate relationship, that, that deep love between a husband and a wife. Is that the kind of love you have for the Word of God? I come there to meet with Jesus. Not to read things, to to meet with my Lord so he can speak into my life, so he can change me, so he can correct me, rebuke me, encourage me, so he can pour his love out upon me. That's the kind of love relationship you need to have with the Word of God. Not like a lawyer coming to find laws to break and make, but to come to meet with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How about this one? Repentance from sin. See the difference between conviction of sin and repentance from sin. When, you, when a sin is identified in your life out of your love for God and, and, and love for God's Word, you immediately make changes in your life. See, repentance takes action. Not just a self-pity, but a change in action in your life. I am going to break away from this sinful pattern out of my love for God. Uh, next, genuine humility. Genuine humility is part of a true believer's life. Now I've got to check every time, Kale. But here, but I mean, you know, a lot of us here, I'll, I'll confess, I used to think I was something. I did. You know? In the world standard, they would say I was something. I've accomplished things that a lot of other people have never accomplished in the world. 
But the reality is after I came to Christ, I realized that I was absolutely nothing. Right? I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> because anything in us, any good gifts we have, any talents we have, any abilities we have, who gave those to us? God did. And, and the reality is as we look to Christ, I don't care how good you are, how smart you are, how athletic you are, I don't care what your gifts are, when you look to Christ, you should be humbled. I'm humbled. How can you not when you look to the perfect one? A few more, we're almost done. Hang, there, hang in there. How about this? Attitude of gratitude. As you reflect on, just like he said, but thanks be to God, as Paul said in the text today. How can we not be filled with gratitude when we know we deserve hell and eternal punishment, but we've been given abundant life now and eternal life later? How can you not be full of gratitude? I don't care what's going on in your life. How about this one? Devotion to God's glory. I mean, to me, the only way I can picture this to you, give you an illustration. If anybody messes with my wife, sorry. That's, <laughs> I, I make no excuses for what would happen next because I'm going to defend my bride. And see, that's how we have to be about God. We have to be all about God's glory where it's like, hey, 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 don't talk like that around me. That offends my God. Don't joke around like that. That's coarse joking. Don't talk about that person behind their back. That offends God. You see how you, you end up defending God's glory? It's so important to you. Life of prayer. Again, are your prayers 911? Or do you have a continually conversation with the God of the universe throughout your day? Selfless love, is life still about you? Or do you really have a heart for others? Separation from the world. I pray that you, you have this sense that you don't belong here. This is not your home. Spiritual growth. It's a slow process. I always say God's a crockpot God in a microwave culture, but the reality is we should see growth in our life. We should see changes in our life. There should be, we should be seeing Him grow us up more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And the last one here is your, is your desire to be an obedient follower of Christ, obedient living. Is this, the, is this the heartbeat of your life? You want to be obedient to God. So which side are you on? Which master do you serve? Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so many good truths, Lord, it's overwhelming. I pray that each of us here would examine ourselves, examine our life, our time, our treasures, our resources, see which master we're serving. For those that are not saved, Lord, I pray that would be clear to them today that you would call them to yourself and they would be saved. And Father, for those that are saved, I pray that we all would get more serious about this battle we're in, that we'd live more committed lives to Jesus, that we'd examine our lives and cut out some of the fat and offer it up as a sacrifice. And uh, Lord, we just love you so much. We thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name, amen.